Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in live today. Uh, today is Sunday, March 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And you are currently watching the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group here on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. I am Jason Leeser, and if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. And welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real-world events, to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find us on both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, as well as our YouTube channel, the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 episodes going at any given point in time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can also find us in all of the major podcast directories, such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can just search for Reinventing the Tattoo on you know, your browser of choice. Um, and all of that will pop up, except for the book. The book is out of print. Good luck getting your hands on it. I can't even get a copy of it now. So you'll probably have a little bit of trouble getting a copy of that. But no matter where you are watching live or on demand, you can always get the latest and greatest, most up-to-date information all at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. Uh, we've got a couple of different options for you to choose from. You can pick a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. You can choose advice from Guy about your unique goals. Um, or you can elect to try out the Comprehensive Tattoo History course from Jay Brown, which is absolutely awesome, by the way. Highly recommend that. You can also find a full event schedule with weekly and special event live stream details as well as the Reinventing the Tattoo 24-7 channel, which is a lot like our Roku channel, only it's through the web. That plays 13 episodes, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also find numerous professional development classes from over 20 world-class tattoo artists. Once again, all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. Once again, if this is working for you and I'm coming through clearly, please let us know in the comments and in the chats. And hey, tag a friend who loves tattoos. And you know what? Just so that you can stay up to date on all of our future episodes, make sure to go through and hit that like and subscribe button right down there at the bottom. And uh, make sure to follow us for all of the latest shows coming up. Speaking of latest shows, we have a number of weekly staple shows we always encourage people to tune into starting on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser, for the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group, where we go through and we talk about different skills that we're working on and how that's going to help us become better tattoo artists. Following that, on Mondays, we have three different shows, starting at 9 a.m. with Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom, where we go through and discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies. Sometimes it's composition, sometimes it's technique. Sometimes we're talking about light and shadow. Um, it's an absolutely great show. Highly recommend you tune into it. Once again, that's 9 a.m. on Mondays, and that's Eastern Time. Following that at 5 p.m., we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple. 
uh, which is absolutely amazing because we get to go through and talk about one of those lesser discussed topics in the tattoo world. Following that at 9 p.m., we have a subscribers exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew, part of the Reinventing the Tattoo uh, Evolution course, or if you're subscribed to the Reinventing the Tattoo yearly Canon subscription, you have access to that. I highly recommend anyone that has one of those subscriptions, go through, take a look, join us on those Monday night shows, because I'm telling you right now, it is filled with information and it really helps us take personal responsibility for advancing our skills and for developing our artistic abilities. Uh, following that, on Wednesdays, we have the Tattoo Now show at 1 p.m. with Gabe Ripley. And then capping off the week on Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker. Uh, as always, I would like to go through and take a quick second to give a very big shout out and say a very big thank you to some of the people that help make these shows happen. Starting off with WorldTattooEvents.com the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. They're constantly keeping everything up to date. As we know, conventions are still getting postponed and rescheduled. Um, so if you want the latest and greatest, most up-to-date tattoo event information coming to a city or town near you, or maybe it's one you want to join, uh, travel to and take a vacation to, take a look at worldtattooevents.com. That's the place where you can go to find every show, every event, anything you can imagine, all available in one source. Next, we have TattooNow.com, technology for tattooers, the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. They're constantly keeping everything up to date and upgraded. Uh, they are 100% competitive with any type of CRM mailing list or scheduling software out there. So if you're looking for a way to go through and really bring in more clients that want to get the type of work that you want to do, take a look at TattooNow.com. Those are the folks that can absolutely make that happen. Of course, this wouldn't be reinventing the tattoo without a very personal, heartfelt, and professional thank you to the man, the myth, and the legend, Guy Itchison. He is the founder and inspiration behind Reinventing the Tattoo. Go to GuyHison.com where you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia, some of his DVDs, uh, numerous fine art prints, and sometimes original paintings as well. All available at GuyHison.com. As well, I would like to give a very quick shout out to a few of our affiliates, starting off with the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. If you know someone that's trying to become a tattoo apprentice, uh, go through, take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. That will fill you in on all of the relevant information that you may need as far as evaluating what would make for a good tattoo apprenticeship. What would make for, you know, what can I expect in a tattoo apprenticeship? What's not a good tattoo apprenticeship? You know, what are some of the warning signs of a, a really, really bad one? Um, I mean, there are some absolute horror stories out there. So take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. As well, if you're looking for an alternate source of information, you can always check out the Fireside Tattoo Network hosted by Jake Meeks. Um, there's tons of great interviews on there. 
lots of great content about some of the science behind tattooing um, and just great interviews and content in general, all available at the Fireside Tattoo Network. And I'd also like to say a very big thank you and very quick personal shout out to TATCOM uh, and Aaron Williams, especially. He's the mad scientist behind TATCOM. Uh, TATCOM is developing tools to make tattooing way easier. Um, they are going through and diving into the science behind what a tattoo is, how it's applied, how ink goes into the skin, all of this information, and they are diving into the science behind it to help create better tools, better machines, and better products so that we as tattoo artists can do our jobs better, faster, and easier. So highly recommend you take a look at TATCOM. Reach out to them if you have any super crazy technical questions, because these are the guys that can answer those questions. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing some of your knowledge with me, man. My mind still hurts from talking to you back in January. As always, we ask that if you like today's show, go ahead, post a positive review on the channel, drop some comments, help us get the word out. Tell some of your friends that might be interested in tattoos or tattooing. Uh, tell them about the show. Have them join in. We're always looking for other perspectives and we're always looking to get other people involved from all walks of life, from all areas. Um, pretty much nothing is really out of bounds on this show as long as it deals with art and or tattooing in some aspect. If you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event, become a sponsor of our community, or maybe you're just looking for a fine art or a tattoo critique, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. And let's get today's show rolling. Yay! Da, da, da. Save place. Yay. We got Medusa. She just joined us. Um, I'm actually going to go through and do that. Minimize. Do that. Cool. Good. Awesome. Excellent. 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 We've got uh, Seth Mushrush already joined us. Welcome, Seth. Seth is working on a pretty sick piece. Let's take a look at that. How you guys doing? How's it going, Seth? Chilling, man. Just uh, getting back into this. I started this about two weeks ago. That's Dude, that looks pretty sick. Let me... Instead of pinning the spotlight, should I flip that around screen. or is that okay? I mean, that's fine, dude. Okay, all right, it's all black and gray. All black and gray looks like you got a pocket in there with a couple of roses. Yes, yes sir. And then uh, we added the uh, the scroll work just now. Oh, very, um, very nice. Man. Very so, nice. we're gonna start with the uh, faceted gem. Anybody remembers the old school uh, reinventing the tattoo book, and it's got a whole chapter in there on how to shade in faceted objects. It's great. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's always a good one. Uh, it's always really helpful, too, especially because I feel like gemstones and tattooing gemstones are becoming more and more popular. For sure. Um, 
I mean, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, I've just gotten ready to score it more than uh, before, but uh, that's turning out absolutely sick, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's looking uh, pretty fucking phenomenal. I'm wondering about um, the faceted shading thing. Is that only in like an older version of reinventing, or is that in a current? You should I have the first version. I was going to say, you should be able to find that in all of the versions of the Reinventing the Tattoo book um, or the Canon subscription. So it should be in there. If it's not, let me know. And uh, I will have a talk with the powers that be and make sure that it gets put back in. Because that is, a, I always found it to be a very, very useful section. Do you know uh, what chapter that might be in? Just a... It's it's towards the end um it's one of like the later chapters i would say probably i think there's what is there 11 chapters it might be like chapter nine like nine point something um, gotcha. yeah i'm old school man I, I got that thing so long ago and i i never traded it back in like i know guy had this program where you could send it in and they would give you an updated version or give you a discount on a new one or something like that i just never did it i probably should have but uh well i mean seth I'm right there with you, bud. I still have the original version as well. In fact, I actually, the last time I went out to go and see a guy, I actually had him personalize it and sign it. Um, oh, nice. That was, that was like the highlight of all my trips. We got Kyle Olson joined us. What's up, Kyle? Uh, Ziggy Romero in the YouTube says, good morning, everyone. What's up, Ziggy? Hope you're doing well today. Me, I'm just plugging away at this oil painting. Still going? Yeah. You want to go? Looks good. Yeah, I don't know if the... Um, I don't know if the, the Google form ever got posted to the last video. So I may have to go through and post that up again. Um, so if it never got posted and anyone actually cares about filling out a form or anything like that, let me know. Um, there are going to be some requirements though in that form. Like you have to leave me feedback about like what content you want to see on the show. You have to let me know about, you know, possible future topics you want me to cover, stuff like that, because, you know, getting feedback about these shows, the things that you want me to talk about, and this goes for anyone that might be watching now, that's always one of the hardest things, is just figuring out if I'm, if I'm doing the right stuff, if I'm, like, heading in the right direction. I mean, like, they are casual, so it's safe, so, yeah. By all means, any and all feedback is welcome. Is Kyle uh, still working on that hyena? Uh, wrong artist. No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. I believe that was actually Chandler. Chandler Porteous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Kyle is... Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Kyle's the one Sorry, that has bud. those dope prints. Yeah. Kylo, what's up? What's up, Medusa? How are we doing? Doing all right. Yeah, what, are, what are you working on? What am I working on? I'm out of yeah. a lot. Of, uh, trying to catch up. Um, last night, uh, we're out a lot. Oh, what you're seeing in here, I had family. I'm getting a lot of feedback from. Ah, uh, oh, there we go. 
Yeah, I, uh, I had family in town, so I missed uh, last Monday night's uh, exercise. So I'm just working on that. So I finished the feather, got to turn that in, and then I got to figure out this carnivorous plants and stuff. The little league. How's your, uh, yeah. your ta- history of tattooing going? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 someone got put on the spot. Yeah, it's fucking. Why do I keep logging into these Zoom calls? Everybody like asks me a question that puts me on the spot. <laughs> just like every week something. I'm just like, oh no. Um, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually really kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. so it started out as uh Chris Taylor, who puts on um the indie tattoo expo. Mm-hmm. ink therapy him and i were just at the poolside at uh hell city in phoenix chit-chatting about the history of tattooing um and i was telling him about how fascinated i was with it and everything and um i was a little stoned um i was a little intoxicated <laughs> with the devil's lettuce yeah. and i was all like yeah buddy I don't think I'm good enough to have a portfolio that's worthy of the Indie Tattoo Expo, but how about I write you a, a, a history essay instead? And he's all like, that's what I make all my apprentices do. Deal. And um, now I have to actually follow through. <laughs> And what should have just been like maybe one or two pages of just like brief explanation of the history of tattooing. Um, yeah. I don't I don't go with brief anything, mm-hmm. as as you know. Um, I'm a, I'm a verbose person, annoyingly so. Mm-hmm. And now I have over ten pages, pictures, a timeline, a bibliography, oh. and I am balls deep in it and i haven't even gone gotten to like the 17th century or any modern stuff like really? i'm in ancient uh scythia right now and uh i am going a little bonkers with it and i have a tendency to do these things where i just kind of like go overboard on it uh-huh. and i realize i'm like i have spent at least 50 hours writing alone, not including the documentaries and the seminars that I've watched and the uh, fucking chapter reading I've done. I've bought books just to read more about this shit. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and uh, I also realized I was like, this is just a first funsies project. I'm not getting paid for this or anything, but I've like legitimately declined going out with friends and like things like that just to be like, I'm going to work on this essay. I'm a historian now. Leave me alone. Yeah, no, I even went up to fucking Washington to visit my stepmom, who's an English major, to have her do some editing on it. So I'm like, this has got to be perfect. And now (laughs) I'm just like, why? I it's It's fun. But man, I think I, got, I, I did a bit more than I needed to, but it's still going. And I still have like at least like 20 more pages of materials to write down. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I should have that probably wrapped up in a binder by June in time for the Indie Tattoo Expo to give to Chris and just be like, here's months of my life. <laughs> there you go. But you know what? From there, you can actually take that and say, you know, you got some professional editing done. You could always take that and you could publish that as like a comprehensive history of tattooing from whenever to wherever. And I mean, I'm sure there's a publisher somewhere that would actually publish that. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's what people are saying like uh uh because uh, all I... of that information is currently scattered um as i'm sure you're aware oh my god so to have one solid factual like cited source for where to go for a comprehensive um tattoo history like informational like area that's going to be absolutely priceless. My bibliography is already two pages long. As it should be. And I have not, I'm barely touching the surface of it. And I don't know. I just, I really am enjoying it. And it is something that I find super fascinating. And I'm just like absolutely in love with it. And I, I will legitimately lose hours, hours to this. Like last week, I had a, um, a last minute cancellation. Somebody was sick. They had to reschedule. Um, and so I decided... I'm going to use my sudden free time to work on this essay. And I shit you not. I was at the computer for 12 fucking hours, 12 hours. And I forgot how long I was at the computer until my dog's just like, mom, I need to pee. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, fuck. And uh, but uh, uh, yeah, no, a lot of people have um, brought up ideas or like a lot of people are really interested in reading it when I'm done. Um. And uh, I've reached out to Jay Brown from the Northwest Tattoo Museum. Uh, he's awesome. I met him at um, uh, uh, a convention a couple of years ago, um, actually. And uh, I think that might have been before I joined Reinventing the Tattoo. He's also got a lot of stuff written on the Reinventing Forum, a free tattoo history stuff that he's written his is more modern about like the electric tattoo machine and the evolution of that um a lot of the stuff that i am uh writing about is ancient tattoo history because i feel like we have a lot of material for how fucking doorbells turn into tattoo machines like you yeah. do that's pretty basic and I probably will cover that eventually but what I really love is the ancient history like pre-literal civilization the stuff that we can only figure out by mm -hmm. remnants of pigment on sharpened sticks and stones and mummification providing us with like CT scans where you can see tattoos and everything and like the things like that. Um, Have you reached out to the uh, tattoo anthropologist yet? No. Okay. What? Um, I'll get you Send in me? touch. Yes. There's a guy out there. He's an archaeologist and a cultural anthropologist. And he has actually been going back through records, 
of all of these discoveries made over, forget how long. Um, and essentially what he's doing is going through, because as we know, the stigma of tattoos and tattooing has been very like culturally biased over the past, say 150, 200 years, uh, where they started to be really marked down as like deviant. Um, I believe and that- Socially just, you know, unacceptable. So what he's started to do is go back through and like fact check a lot of these older discoveries to see if anything in these discoveries that have been made over like the past 100, 150 years could actually be tattoo related. That is something I do want, I do need help with because a lot of my uh, sources, uh, the articles I've read and all of that, which I'm starting to learn how to figure out how to read scientific research papers because they are never written just plainly in sentences. There's always like a citation in the middle of the sentence or 12, and um, which is, makes it very difficult to read. Um, but yeah, I do need some fact checking on it because a lot of the sources have like different dates that are generalized, but not all of them say the same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I did find out that uh, it's not just the last like 100, 150 years or so. Uh, a lot of uh, um, tattooing got a negative stigma with the rise of Christianity around the time of Roman Emperor Constantine. He's the one that originally banned tattoos in the Roman Empire um, and around the time where they started being used to only to mark like prisoners and criminals and slaves and stuff. But that's a fun fact. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I also watched a, 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 oh my God, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. Carrie, uh, what's her last name? Carrie Barba. Carrie Barba has a seminar on women of tattoo, w women in the history, the history of women in tattoos um, that's available on the, um, crap, what is that? What is that uh, convention, not a convention, the conference? Oh, the Explorer Tattoo Conference? Huh? Yeah, the Explorer Tattoo Conference. Yeah, it's available to rent on the Explorer page. So I rented that and I sat down and oh my gosh, that was so informative. And that was just about women in the history of tattooing alone. And I got a lot of information about that. And now I want to go visit her and be like, will you tattoo me and tell me everything <laughs> you know? And then like I started like getting in over my head and being like, I want to do a tattoo tour where I visit all the tattoo museums and all these historical shops and ask them questions. And um, but yeah, it's going all right. It's overwhelming. I'm in over my head. I have turned something that should just be a fun afternoon project into this big whole ordeal. And I accidentally talked about it online and now everybody expects me to follow through with it. Well, I mean, you want to talk about accountability, that's accountability for you. I mean, yeah. you've already put it out there. Now now it's like, okay, well, now you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I already started. It's cool. Um, you yeah, may, no, I've... 
had a lot of just a little advice. You may want to start leveraging some of your industry contacts. See if there's anyone out there like uh, Kyle B or um, anyone else of that nature that may be willing to help you out with that. Um, as far as collecting research, you could also reach out to other academic sources, um, maybe anthropologists, um, especially if I can get you connected with the, the tattoo historian, uh, the tattoo anthropologist. He can give you all kinds of academic resources and contacts. Um, but what you're essentially working on as far as this comprehensive history of tattooing um, spanning from ancient times all the way up to the modernist era. I mean, theoretically speaking, with all of the research you're doing, you could probably submit that for a doctoral thesis, especially if you had a focus on like women in tattooing and their impact on the industry and how that's affected modern cultures. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Oh, we got a comment from uh, Andre Malcolm in the YouTube chats. He says, hello. Hey, Andre, how's it going, man? Uh, hope you're doing well. But uh, Medusa, what you're onto now is it's really involved. And there are people out there that literally spend years doing what you're doing. Yeah, Kyle told me that he is collecting sources and kind of doing a really similar thing about it to Kyle B. So I am uh, actually gonna hit him up lately the last uh week or so i have been super fucking busy with work and needing to focus on my actual work work um but uh, um, i'm gonna talk more to kyle b about it i reached out to uh carson hill too because i know he knows a lot about rotary machines and i was like i don't know that much about the evolution of rotary machines so reached out to him to ask about some of that jay brown i would love to talk to any more historians um a couple of friends got really stoked on it and they were like you could turn this into like a zine series where like each zine focuses on one culture or something and you know kind of collect them all um uh or a book or something like that right now my main focus so far of what i've done is ancient civilizations um I think personally for me, that's what I'm most fascinated with, which is why I've got the most information about all of that written down, but I'm going to get to modern tattooing eventually. Yeah, let but me, yeah. Um, I might be able to reach out to a couple of contacts of mine um, and see if I can get you some information or at least get you connected in the right way to some people that might be able to give you more information with that. Um, that or you be... can always hit up uh, the great Gabe. Um, Gabe would be definitely be able to give you some of that same information as well. So just as a thought. Yes. I, I am hella interested. Um, hella. Yeah. Um, yep. It is overwhelming and I've been giving it a couple of, a couple of, a break for a couple of days though because i went balls i went fucking bonkers on it and then i realized that i was neglecting literally everything else in my life <laughs> i still gotta go to work <laughs> yeah work is kind of critical um you yeah. know and it does take up a decent bit of time so you know prioritize responsibilities yeah responsibilities responsibilities 
you know, that whole adulting thing kind of sucks. I'm, I would be, if I could just stay in my apartment and hang out with my dog forever, I'd be really, really satisfied. I don't have to put on pants. I'm happy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, you know, I love to, to stay inside in my cozy nook. You, you do. You do not like to. Are you agoraphobic at all, by the way? Just oh, my God. People have actually been asking me that lately. Well, I mean, my, you don't typically tend to leave anywhere that you are that you find comfort. So. I. I have anxiety. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yay. It's Boston. So do any of you guys have any trips coming up for uh, tattoo trips, like uh, conventions soon or anything? Is anybody going to Evergreen? No. I hit them up um, back last year to see what I could do about maybe getting a booth and they never got back to me. And that's something I, I really want to start like reaching out to people about because like this whole like, you know, oh, someone can reach out, but like if we don't want them to work our show, we're just not going to respond. That's kind of a dick move. Um, you know, not to anyone particular, but it's like, hey, someone's taking the time to reach out to you, respond. You know, it's the polite thing to do. It's you know, basic manners, even if they're not qualified to work at your show, even if you don't want them to work at your show for whatever reason, fine, but don't be a dick. Let them know. Um, you know, it seems like it's a growing trend in this industry and it's, it's not right. You know? Yeah. I think with Evergreen specifically, it's blown up into such a popular thing that uh no and i i understand that and i do get that that like you know some of these more popular shows they're inundated with like all of these people applying to try to get into it and you know there's a ton of interest there and i get that but like okay cool be selective about it but at least respond to the people that reach out to you and let them know like hey sorry we're all full up you know it's kind of an invite only show and none of us know you, so sorry, but maybe next year, if we have an open spot, we could get you in, you know, maybe. Um, yeah. Or maybe tell people like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're not quite at the level that we're looking for for this show. Not saying that, you know, we don't like your work. Maybe just saying that like, okay, well, maybe if you work on your line work a little bit more, like your color blends aren't really super smooth or you know, maybe there's something you need to work on that could get you to that level. Let us know. Um, otherwise, we're just kind of like, you know, stumbling around in the dark, you know, as far as like, well, who, who do I have to talk to? Who do I have to meet to get into this show? Um, you know, who do I have to schmooze someone? You know, what what's going on here? Because uh, like the lack of communication there is like, I don't know. It, it just really puts me off sometimes. I feel like uh, I didn't know that people wrote back to reject you at all because the only times that I've applied for things if I haven't gotten in 
it's been a no response equals no. Does that make sense? It it does. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd like to see that change. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I feel like it's just so common. I is I thought that was what everybody did. Just if I mean I so I've reached out to a couple of people at a couple of different shows um, that are more bigger international shows, and I've actually gotten responses from them. Uh, you know, saying hey you know, don't necessarily think that, you know, this show may be in line with the level that you're at. Um, and I've gotten some really good feedback from certain people that work at international shows, you know, basically just telling me like, hey, you know, maybe you need to sharpen your skills a little bit more before, you know, we can consider you for this. Um, and it was really good feedback, you know, really, really good feedback. Uh, Granted, being in being an American tattoo artist, which are it's a privilege, um, and we are some of the most sought after tattooers in the world, which is awesome. But at the same time, it's like, you know, sometimes some of these more high profile shows tend to be a bit clicky, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's fine and dandy. And if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And if it's an invitational, cool. But then advertise it as such, you know, and be like, oh, it's an invitational. I don't know anyone that works at it. I'm not even going to bother to apply. But then if you have people that don't even bother to apply, you might be missing out on some really great artists. I don't know that the whole like non-communication thing kind of puts me off. So maybe it's just me. Just like to have like a, just to know, because like it can be a show that you really, really want to attend and like to not know how to get into the show, you know, like that can get frustrating. Absolutely. You know, especially if you're reaching out to people and you're saying, Hey, I'd really like to work at this show year after year after year. And you keep getting a no response. It's like, well, okay, maybe they just don't like me. Maybe someone's got an issue with me, but we don't know because there's no response. Yeah. So then it just discourages people after a while from even applying for these things. It's like getting ghosted. Yeah, it, serious. It makes you fucking question yourself. You're like, okay, what did I do wrong? Am I, it's the email address that I'm emailing, right? Uh, what's wrong with my tattoos why am i not hearing from them like what the fuck and that can lead to a bigger case of imposter syndrome where you're like okay well maybe i really don't know what the hell i'm doing you know and then it makes you question your skills and you know your abilities when okay maybe there's some legitimate reasoning behind that maybe maybe your skills do need to be sharpened up Maybe you do need to work on something like your saturation or smooth gradients and smooth blends a bit more. Okay, cool. But at least at that point in time, you know. Uh, Whereas if you're just kind of left in the dark, it's like, okay, well, that's fine. Apparently these people are in their own little clique and world and they just don't want to play. They don't want anyone else to play in their sandbox. And that's what's up. That's fine. You have that you know, prerogative, but like, you're kind of missing out. Yeah, I think, um, 
I think one thing, especially for uh, events and promoters who are dealing with uh, a really large amount of emails coming in, if they don't like have time to respond to each one with a rejection letter individually, at least make an automated automated message. Seriously, like copy and paste. Yeah, like hey, thanks for your email. We appreciate your your application. You know, unfortunately, at this time, we're not accepting any new booth applications. Please try but we'll again keep next you year. On, yeah, we'll keep you on file for next year. You yeah. Know? I think something cool. like Fun. that leaves a lot less, uh, a lot less of an um, underlying kind of um, angstiness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it also comes down to courtesy, right? Because for traveling artists out there that are trying to plan things, that are trying to get things in order, and I know some artists that, you know, will book shows a year in advance and they'll reach out to, you know, whoever the promoters and organizers are because they need to plan that far in advance because of everything that they have going on with their life. You know, some people need time to save the money for it. Some people just need to get a schedule in order. You know, maybe they're booked out for a year in advance or two years in advance or whatever. Um, and it's not like they can just drop everything at, you know, the drop of a hat and be like, oh, well, this this convention finally got back to me. So now I've got to go and do that. So let me cancel these appointments that people have had set up for a year. You know what I mean? You know, it, it just comes down to like common courtesy and common decency. Speaking of appointments in a year, I so badly have started fantasizing about getting tattooed by Fibs in Puerto Rico. Oh, and that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be so cool? Although I'll tell you this, you're already on the East Coast. Or West Coast. West Coast. Sorry, West, sorry, East, West, what? Um. <laughs> You're already on the West Coast. And I know Fibs is based out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. So that could be a really nice trip for you. Yeah. Uh, that I, I always recommend if anyone ever gets the chance to talk to Fibs, go talk to him, say hi, just chat with him for a minute. That dude is number one, super nice. Number two, he is filled with an absolutely ridiculous amount of knowledge when it comes down to contrast, composition, uh, styles, stuff like that. He's gotten to work and collaborate with some absolutely revolutionary artists. I mean, everyone from Bill Canales to uh, James and Anthony Tex to all of these other guys, you know, he's gotten to really get to know them and you know, he's just filled with a wealth of knowledge. And I'm not just saying that because I'm friends with the guy. Um, Fibs, what's up, by the way, if you're watching. Uh, yes. But, you know, he really is that knowledgeable. I, one of the most inspiring things that I ever went through and did was last year uh, for the deadly convention that went on in June. I flew up there to do a little bit of convention coverage for it. And uh, ended up having breakfast with him one morning. Almost walked right past him, too. Um, he's like, Jason. I'm like, yo, oh, oh, hey, man. I was still waking up. I didn't even have a cup of coffee yet. So didn't really know where I was. All I knew was that where I was had food and coffee. 
And that was all I really thought about at that point. Um, but sitting down with him and having breakfast with him was like awesome. We started talking about, you know, dynamic contrast, you know, how to really create better dark shapes and better dark values and the impact that that's going to have on, you know, the longevity of a tattoo. Um, you know, how it really can help create and define certain shapes, certain areas, how it can really go through and really push the longevity just simply because of super dynamic contrast. Hey, you know? yeah. And it was like an eye-opening conversation that I had with them. That's so. huge. It's crazy because like, you know, uh, one thing that I've always done that I need to stop doing is uh, artists that I really respect and admire, I tend to think of them as like out of reach gods. And Some then, of them are. yeah, yeah. But I then, mean, you know but me, I I've have got to... my own seat up on Mount Olympus, so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, like uh, uh, every time I meet somebody and I'm like fangirling and trying to keep myself together, I realize they're a fucking person just like me. Exactly. They've just been doing this longer and have acquired a bit more knowledge and have more practice. And like, I just need to approach them as a person. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I met Fibs in Puerto Rico, I was just like, oh. <laughs> and then like, He's just so chill and so nice. And uh, his wife was there and she was amazing. And then like, just immediately I was uh, like, these people are just, just people. I can actually just talk with them. And it was, it was really nice. It was really nice to meet someone who has that much um, under his belt, but feels so comforting to be around. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Like it was, he's got a very welcoming kindness. Absolutely. To him too. And I really, really appreciate that because I have met tattooers before that are skill wise, godlike, but their attitudes, uh, their egos are a little douchey. They've got that, uh, they've got the tattitude. Yeah. And I'm just like, a part of me is just like, well, it's kind of deserved. But then uh, the other part of me is just like, now I don't like you. I don't care how good you are. You're an asshole. Fuck You're you. Right. And like there are tattoos. Like there's a couple of like top tier A-lister fucking tattooists out there in the world that I've met before. Who I'm just like, your work is phenomenal, but I fucking can't stand you. And I think you're a dick. And Fib's not one of them. No. No, he's yeah, super, only takes he's you super so far. Go ahead. What do you say, Kyle? Oh, I said talent only takes you so far. You it know? really does. Just fucking being a human being is it just speaks so much more than how good you are at tattooing. Oh, you know, just, well, one thing to keep in mind is that nobody was born an award-winning A-lister tattooist. 100%. So, like, uh, there's no reason to have an attitude like that. Um, um, no reason at all. I know, like everybody has their battles and everybody has their 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 bad days and stuff like that. But like, I could insist in ego, like, no bueno. Yeah, yeah it, 
There's I don't care no how good you are. It. I don't want to get tattooed by you. Yeah. Gross. I'd have to like sit with that person for hours. Yeah. Nope. That's where I, as a client, would turn around and just throw my headphones on and be like, yeah, do your job. Do what you're getting paid for. You know, if I'm if I'm sitting down and I'm getting tattooed by an artist that's just a total dick. I'm paying you for the tattoo. I'm not paying you to like be a dick to me. Just do what you're getting paid for. I have a couple of tattoos that I haven't even finished because the first session, they were so awful and conceited. Um, yeah, I got a tattoo on my leg that it's unfinished because the first session I was with them, they spent the entire time complaining about how they've been tattooing for 20 years. And they're so pissed off that all these new tattooers are getting sponsorships and have too many Instagram followers. I'm just like, it sounds like you're spending your 20 years being angry rather than just working hard and being proud of people who are succeeding because they're part of your tattoo family. Why be jealous? Like, ugh. Yeah, so certain people just don't grasp the concept of like, okay, cool. Yeah, there's guys out there that have been tattooing half the time I have, and they're crushing it left and right. Like ab- anything that they touch, they're incredible at. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's frustrating. But I'm not going to sit back and like bash them for it. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to him and I'm going to say, hey, you're absolutely crushing everything that you touch. Like, what are you doing that I'm not doing? You know, that's immediately where my mind goes. See that as like a resource. See that as a way to go through and maybe step your own game up. It doesn't matter if you've been tattooing 40 years or 50 years or 60 years. There's always going to be people that come on the scene that are just absolutely going to dominate everything just from the gate, you know, go over and talk to them and find out what are they doing differently? Because it doesn't matter if you've been tattooing 50 years or whatever, there's always something more to learn in this industry. And if you're not constantly stepping your game up and learning more, you're falling behind. (laughs) Also, why would you make an enemy or talk shit about the people you're jealous of? Like, be happy with them. Make them on your team. Yeah, like, so join you forces. Have, you yeah. might have different philosophies or different viewpoints or different ways of doing things or different ways of seeing things. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. Make them an ally. You know, make them turn around and be like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe the next time I've got someone that comes in, and I do only illustrative stuff and this someone wants something more realistic, maybe they turn around and they recommend you instead if that's what you do. Or maybe they do realism and you do illustrative or, um, you know, Japanese inspired or whatever. You know, maybe they turn around and recommend you for that tattoo that someone wants to get done by them. You know, make them an ally. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Be in a room full of smart people, like people that know more and have like insights that you don't think of and stuff like that. Cause you're in the middle of everything with designs and tattooing and whatnot, like having insights from 
you know, knowledgeable people or just even people that just have random ass questions can can help your career, you know, that much more and push you that much farther. It's just it's not all about you, 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 what you can do. It's like more like what you can do for others while focusing on your craft and shit. That's why one of the artists that I revere the most out there, well, there's a whole lot of them. Um, obviously, Fibs, I, I have a great amount of respect for, no matter how long he's been doing it. That dude is more than happy to share knowledge and information uh, to other tattooers that are just coming up. I know I wouldn't be where I am today if he hadn't given me a couple of key pieces of advice. Um, but also people like Seth. You know, Seth, you, I don't think you quite grasp the impact that you've had on people such as myself, man. You've been doing this way longer than I have. And every time I talk to you, there's like a little bit of a nugget of something new that I never knew before, you know, and you're always out there seeking new knowledge. You're always out there saying, hey, what can I learn? What can I take away from this? You know, and you know, you've been busting your ass for me, so I can't thank you enough. For I mean, I'm always happy to share information with people. I, I've said this before. I think that's the only way that we all get better is by having dialogue, you know? sharing ideas and, you know always push yourself and always seek new information don't ever i was just saying you know you don't don't think that you're always the hot ticket you know what i mean if anything all the best artists that i know are always they're super humble you know they they don't they don't count themselves it seems from the outside that that's how they are but i've recently met people even at the philly show that were like you know, people who I've been looking up to for years and I met them and just like Medusa was saying, it was like, it was no big deal. It was, they were happy to share information. There was no, no barriers, no walls, nothing like that. So um, I just, I've been fortunate to be able to be around people that were way more talented than I have my whole career. And um, I, I chose to benefit from that instead of hating on them. I chose to, you know, like you guys were saying, you know, make them allies try to you know share information understand you know you never know people learn things from you you learn things from other people the revolving door of knowledge this business. absolutely i like learning things from people that don't have to you know like taking those those painting classes with david bass and his wife Shane, uh, they're amazing artists and i've already applied things that I've learned from them into portraits and realism and stuff like that, considering how I'm constructing things. And whether they know it or not, their knowledge is, it transcends many different mediums. This is just another medium. Jason, if you guys are getting too much of feedback, I'm in the shop right now. Just feel free to like put me on and off mute. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, um, if you guys are talking. Bye. Sorry, that was that was mean. Um. But yeah. Um, we are getting a lot of feedback from you, Seth, and I'm sorry I had to do that, but. Uh, you obviously you know it's nothing personal, so. But yeah, it's like it's 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 almost like making 
I don't like your decision making skills to where it's just like you want to add value to your life, you know, stuff like that. So like choosing to be around, uh, I don't know, like let me think about it and I'll get back to you. I can't, I can't think about how to word it. Um, right on. But it's it's all a value add if you're willing to go through and not be a dick about things. Yeah. You know, and that's it's sad, but you know, there are dicks in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, there are people out there that are just assholes and just simply for the sake of being able to be an asshole, um, and being able to get away with it for as long as they have. I know I've met some of them. Um, and they are people that I choose not to be around, Mm -hmm. you know, and they are people that I choose not to openly associate with and freely associate with because they just are simply just assholes, period. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time in life for that. Yeah, there's no reason to waste your time with that shit. Yeah. Life is too short for that. Yeah. We have too much to learn and too many things to do. Mm -hmm. I got to head out, guys. I got an incredibly busy day at work. Um, I'll see you. Go do the things, Medusa. Go crush it. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I'm actually super excited about um, I'm actually working at a show in a couple of weeks uh, Two, yeah, about two weeks. Exactly. Um, I'll be up in Allentown at the Skindustry Expo uh, with a couple of absolutely phenomenal artists. And I'm really, really stoked to be able to work around them. Some of these guys I'm going to be working with are guys that, you know, I kind of came up in the industry with Uh um, and guys that have had like a profound impact on, you know, what I do, how I do it, where I came from, um, my philosophies in tattooing, my philosophies in art and some philosophies in life as well. Um, These are guys that, you know, I really, really admire and look up to and I get to work a show with them. I'm just incredibly ecstatic about that. Um, you know, I love being able to work around different people mm-hmm. that have different ways of seeing things, and different ways of like executing things because it all adds to my knowledge base. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why I'm super stoked for this show that I'm working at. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be at this show that are very much uh, more traditional style tattooers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do a lot of like super, super sick, just straight up traditional work that's so clean and so solid that like you sit back and it literally looks absolutely technically flawless, right? Mm -hmm. You know, lines are 100% solid, smooth, and perfect every time um you know some guys are out there and their color blends are just perfectly saturated silky silky smooth like super subtle color blends and these guys are absolutely crushing it left and right on every tattoo that they do Mm -hmm. so i like to go and work at these shows because i don't do a lot of traditional tattoos Mm -hmm. right believe it or not traditional style tattooing has always been a struggle for me it's hard. I overcomplicate fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, yeah, but we could add this detail in there and we could do that. And this would be cool. 
And I'm like, well, what if we did a two-tone red blend instead of a, you know, just straight black to red? That that could be cool. That could give it a little twist, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just looking at the way that these guys are executing stuff and their methodologies and like, what are they choosing to include in this design? What are they really focusing on as far as like, what is their primary emphasis? What mm-hmm. are what are they simplifying down to just get the essence of it? Mm-hmm. You know, these are all things that I've always been curious about um, and to be able to work alongside them and ask them questions while they're working, you know, is just, it, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And I can't, so by the way, personal shout out to Steve over at the Quillian Tattoo. Um, you absolutely rock, dude. Uh, Steve puts on the Skin Industry Expo every year and is one of the nicest people I have ever met. He doesn't tattoo, but he does own a studio, um, which normally I'm not a big fan of because like I've always been under the impression that like, well, if you're going to own a studio, you better know how to tattoo and you better be tattooing, not just sitting back on your haunches, like collecting money. Because mm-hmm. that's not, in my opinion, you know, the right way to go about it. And if you don't know how to tattoo and you do own a studio, like, in my opinion, you don't really have too much of a leg to stand on. Um, Steve has been the exception that I found about that. He not only understands the world of tattooing, he understands the limitations, he understands the challenges, um, and he understands that we are artists, but he also comes at it from a very different type of business perspective, which is very, for lack of a better term, nice, Mm -hmm. because he's constantly looking at the business side of things as well. He's not pushing people to be like, you should have been done that tattoo faster, Mm -hmm. or you should have, why did you charge so little for that? You know. Um, He has a very good, solid understanding of tattooing in and of itself and of the culture and the practice behind it. Mm -hmm. And he's just an awesome human being. Um, Super kind, super nice, always willing to go out of his way for other people. Uh, So if anyone ever gets the chance and you're looking for a really good, smaller show to work at with really good, high caliber artists, take a look at Skin Industry. It's very, they're very selective. They're very like, um, uh, very picky about who works at it. You know, they want to make sure that everyone that's going to be there, not only can they tattoo, but they also want to make sure that they're not a dick. Yeah. And that's always a great thing to have like at your side mm-hmm. to know that everyone you're working around is just a super awesome person. Well, it just makes it easier, you know? Absolutely. Not having to worry about egos or this, that, and the other thing or saying the wrong thing or this. Yeah, it just makes it easier to where if everybody's on the same page and trying to accomplish the same things, like it makes it that much easier. And it's, how many, um, uh, is this like the first year that they've done this or? Uh, No, so Skin Industry has been going on for quite a few years. I think this is the 15th year, oh, 15th show. 
Yeah. So it's been going on for a little bit, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's very small. It's very, very personal. Um, and that's kind of the whole purpose behind it. Uh, they, it started to get a little bit bigger at one point. I think they had up to, I think at one, one year alone, they had like 200 artists or 250 artists. And the guy, Steve, that runs it was just like, this is too much. It's not personal enough. It's becoming like a factory. And that's mm. not the kind of feeling that he wanted to have for it. He wanted a very small, very personalized show. And uh, by keeping it a lot smaller, he's been able to achieve that. So, yeah, that, that's huge. You know, it makes it a lot more personal with like the client to artist interaction and stuff like that. Not having like this big old, just there to make money tattoo, you know, you can get there and actually enjoy your time. Right. And it's just, you know, like the whole like big, big tattoo shows, like the moment you walk up, like, hey, you want to get tattooed? It's like, whoa, hey, I'm just, I'm just looking at our work, you know? Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm just hanging out, like taking a look at everything, you know, seeing what's new and what's going on. Like, I appreciate the offer, but like, give me a few minutes after I get through the door before you start jumping on me, seeing if I want to get tattooed. Yeah. And it's just like, you definitely know those interactions are just like, I don't give a shit. I just want to make the money. Yeah. As much money while I'm here and stuff like that. Like, Which it's like, I'm sorry, but if you're going to go and work at a show, you know, I always have the philosophy of number one, I won't ever work a show unless I can completely afford to write off the entire show as a loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, financially, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like you don't put yourself out there um, and put yourself into uh, a hole of debt just to go to work at a show, hoping to make that money back because mm -hmm. then you stop focusing on all of the important aspects of working at a show. Mm -hmm. you know and that's for lack of a better term i guess wrong it's not the way it should be you should work at shows more or less just to show your stuff off and maybe get to relax a little bit maybe you do a little tattooing mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe you take a little bit of a break and just walk around and network with other artists mm -hmm. you know? but don't ever don't ever work at a show unless you can afford to write the whole thing off because it's all, it's going to become completely and totally all about the fucking money. And that's not the way that it should be. You know, I mean, yeah, there, we've always, some of us run into times when, uh, um, you know, we, we sit back and it's like, okay, well, you know, I just got hit with a couple of major bills. Like I, I really need to make this money, but if you really need to make that money, stay at home, dude, save yourself the, save yourself the headache mm -hmm. make it speaking more of, a, of um, sure. speaking of conventions and uh people going to conventions patrick boothman just joined us what's up patrick don't know if Hello, you can to the audio yet oh i don't think patrick's connected to the audio uh yep now he's joined in with audio uh he is muted though so we can't hear him just yet, but we did want to say welcome, Patrick. I uh, just, they, Tucson here just had a, a convention. 
Um, it was really, really cool to go to. Um, it was busy, which was awesome to see. And then um, there's a bunch of really, really good artists there. And um, I watched favorite? out of that show. Yes. Um, Kevin Patrick. Um, there's a shop called Blood and Ink. They just do some killer black and gray, large scale black and gray. The stuff looks awesome. Uh, Kevin Patrick's black and gray is just super buttery smooth. It looks so good. Um, if you, if you hmm? want to tell me his Instagram, I will be happy to pull him up. Oh, um, yeah, let me grab it. My Excel telecommunication device. Um, I don't think it's very much different than just Kevin Patrick, but I, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a Kevin K K E B I N Patrick P A T R I C and then T A T and then the number two. Got it. And then like he has like a coworker there that like his his Instagram is like Throne or something like that. And his name's Nathan. Insane black and gray from this shop, dude. It's so cool. And I, uh, I talked to Kevin for a while and I watched him tattoo and uh, I, I communicate, like I gave him my phone number. He's like, Hey man, can I get you to critique my stuff? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm happy to do it. You know? So like whenever he can, I'd be more than happy to talk to him, but like his, this black and gray is just, Oh. Oh yeah, man. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, that's, that's contrast. You have texture, mm -hmm. plenty of mid-tones in just the right spots. Mm -hmm. You know, no overuse of white, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Plenty mm -hmm. of super dark in there. Mm -hmm. You know, excellent, excellent value. Mm -hmm. Like his sceneries, like, holy cow, dude. He's done a few of like desert landscapes and they're just, ooh. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. This stuff's so good. Very nice. Love that rattlesnake. You can see the texture in all of the scales. Uh -huh. You've got great perspective. Uh -huh. Really captures like a stormy desert kind of feeling. 100%. Yeah, it's just, it'd be so cool just to like go over like portfolio with them and be like, hey, dude, like, what am I doing wrong here? Like, how do you handle your references when you go to do black and gray? Like, how do you, how far do you heighten contrast? Are you lowering it? Like, so like from like the reference picture to the tattoo, like what differences, like what, what am I missing? You know, cause like to have the wow factor in your tattoos, is just, uh, it's just awesome. You know? Yeah. I mean, in my experience, a lot of that comes from, you know, uh, just experience. You know, yeah, doing 100%. it, understanding what works, understanding what doesn't work, mm -hmm. um, understanding what you can do to really take that contrast up to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I found that really works well. Um, but a lot of that comes with, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, like that, that Falcon, gosh. Man. Which one? This one? Yeah just so pretty the thing that i really admire about these tattoos 
And it's something you see quite often with a lot of um, newer black and gray artists mm -hmm. is they, I find that they almost have a tendency to overuse white mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they don't leave enough actual like flesh tone as your highlight. Yeah. Right. But mm -hmm. Kevin definitely doesn't overuse white. He's just got a couple of very simple, pure white highlights, you know, eye, top of the beak, yeah. maybe a little bit around the ridge there, but that's about it. Everything else is flesh tone. Yeah. That a lot of that takes, you know, understanding your pigments, uh -huh. understanding your values, understand. Oh, this one. Yeah. This is one of the one. Oh man. Look at this. Right. Look at this. Look at the use of perspective. Uh -huh. His separation between values and like, planes of perception i love the way he left all those thorns in the negative too right that really brings it out once again no overuse of white uh -uh. um and that's what i think really helps this stand out well yeah 100 percent. you know like it's and it's gonna hold up you know so much better over time with like absolutely not a, a, a metric ton of white on it it's yeah you know that's a tattoo that's gonna age really really well mm -hmm. you know i don't see anything in there that you know is gonna muddy over time that's gonna blur out over time that's gonna overcomplicate anything mm -hmm. you know, i've got a feeling and and i mean it's just me just my own personal perspective and opinion but I've got a feeling that that tattoo is going to look exactly like that five to 10 years down the road. It should. It definitely should. You know, obviously depending on how the client takes care of it, because that can have a lot to do with things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a oh, little bit of color in this one. Oh, changing it up. So cool. Very nice. Yeah. His a uh, coworker. Um, gosh, his is yeah. Oh wow! Look at this one. And yeah, that's a cool use of white. You know. So I think that's going to be just the right amount, um, and that's going to help hold those spots open a lot longer. But once again, he could have gone through and he could have used white highlights, yeah. you know, to help separate out uh, the dead uh, Joshua tree, mm -hmm. but he didn't, you know, and I admire that because a lot of people that are out there would be tempted to go through and be like, well, let me just do like a little bit of white here. Let me just do like a little bit over here and maybe a little bit here. And it's almost like he has the self-control to stay away from that. Priority and reserve. Bingo. Yeah. All taught in the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. Uh, <laughs> make sure to uh, sign up for that or the Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution course. The drawing night is always fun, always informative. Yes. Monday nights are always awesome. Uh-huh. Cool. And who was the uh, his coworker? Uh, his Instagram is uh, T-H-O. Okay. Uh, let me type this in. T-H-O. R-O. 
NE. And it's like a rose with a with a switchblade through it. Is this picture? Yeah. Oh, very nice. She's very proud. nice. Super dynamic. Yeah. Once again, no overuse of white, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. It's got just enough in the eye and in the skull. Yep. But those those subtleties in there are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Looks like some of it might be healed. Yeah, I think I think it was. I think this was a second session. Bravo. Second session, maybe to add the eye, some of the other stuff that's in there. Yeah. His wolves, dude. Like it just that one in the center, just it's just wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Line. I'm more partial to this one. Yeah. I think this is a uh uh in my opinion, just a, a much nicer tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um and to get dark fur, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. It's really tricky mm -hmm. because you have a tendency to want to use more black than necessary, mm -hmm. which is you know, kind of ingrained in us. Yeah. But it's like the use of black and midtones, you know, leaving just a little bit of those white areas in there, I think really helps separate it out. Yeah. Uh, especially against such a darker backdrop. But, you know, you see this tiny little like light halo around it mm -hmm. just to help separate out spots or maybe a little bit of a darker edge. Mm -hmm. you no, know, to help separate it out from the background, very well done. Mm -hmm. You know, once again, no overuse of white. Although you do see more white in this than in some of the other tattoos, because you have white down here on the chain, you've got white on the nose, a couple of white spots along the gums. But those, it's not overly, and it's mm -hmm. it almost kind of looks like he might have washed some of it out. Yeah. It's just like, you know, controlling it. So where it's just like, if you put white everywhere, it just flattens the image out and it takes away from that dynamic ability. I don't know how to word it or pronounce it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it does. It really flattens things out to the point that, you know, if you have very minimal uses of white, great. Mm -hmm. That's going to really help bring out just those points. Um, it's also going to help direct the eye. Right. Uh, because anywhere where there's a vast anywhere where there's pure bright white uh -huh. immediately draws the eye as being one of the highest points, the highest visual focal points. Uh -huh. Right. So by limiting your use of that, you can get people to look exactly where you want them to look. Yep. You know, and that's that's a trick from the old Renaissance masters. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, even if like you do a portrait, like what's the focal point in the portrait? It can't be the whole portrait. So like they talk about like just focusing on one eye and making one eye more of a focal point compared to the other eye and stuff like that. Just like tiny little adjustments. Right. Well, I, I was always taught when doing portraits, um, you have what's known as the golden triangle. Uh -huh. um, and that's the two eyes, the two pupils in the eyes, um, the nose. And then the top or the middle part of the bottom lip, right? That whole area inside that little triangle 
uh-huh. is exactly where n- most people focus all of their attention. Okay. Unless there's something drawing your eye outside of that, that triangular area from the eyes across, including the nose, the upper lip, and then that middle portion of the bottom lip tends to be where most people draw their attention on most human faces. Okay. So that's where I've noticed a lot of artists will go through and they'll put most of their emphasis whenever they're doing a portrait or drawing a portrait or painting a portrait. Um, it's almost like that's where all of the detail goes and everything else is secondary. Yeah. Okay. Cause if you can hit the lips right and you can get the nose at least somewhat right and the eyes look right, then everything else is kind of like, okay, well maybe the ears a little off, but no one's going to pay attention to that anyway, unless yeah. it's a straight profile view, but that's a different story. Well, it makes total sense. It definitely helps control the hierarchy of the entire piece. Absolutely. And I mean, I would almost say prioritize it in that kind of a fashion. Yeah. You know, prioritize the eyes over, over the nose. Prioritize the nose over the lips. Um, prioritize the upper lip over the bottom lip. Yeah. You know, just once again, my own two cents and things, but it seems to me um, that that's typically what people tend to focus more on uh, as far as human faces are concerned. Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, it's kind of like, but I mean, I guess you could say the same thing is true with just about any kind of an animal. Uh Because like with a dragon, you know, say I'm drawing a Japanese dragon, your primary focal emphasis is going to be on the eyes and the nose, right? Okay. So straight across between the eyes and then coming down to the nose. Um, Same thing with wolves. Wolves, dogs, anything of that nature, you're going to want to really look at the eyes and then the snout. Yeah, if the gums are done right, it looks a lot better, but you know what? Sometimes those gums are just incredibly tricky and daunting, and sometimes you just don't want to mess with them uh, too much, but that's okay because if you obscure those areas, I think you're going to find that by leaving those a bit more vague, it's going to draw more attention to the areas that are more heavily rendered. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, use of priority, use of, um, um, well, actually, yeah, just prioritizing your detail points. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, just something that I've picked up on across my years seems to be what people focus the most on. Um, then again, maybe I'm completely wrong, but it, that's just something I've started to notice. Yeah. Then again, I don't typically tend to do a lot of portraiture. Um, I actually specifically refer that out to people just because I'm not at the point where I'm confident enough to do them. I can do them. But I always try to inform people like, listen, I can do this for you. But at the end of the day, I want you to have the best tattoo, you know, and if that means that I refer you out to someone else to get a better tattoo, someone that can absolutely crush it, 
I'll do that. Yeah. You know, uh, just because it's not something I've spent a lot of time working on and it's not something that I do very often. So for people to get the best result, I want them to go to the best resource possible. Mm -hmm. You know, could I do it? Yeah. Would it look okay? Probably. But it wouldn't look anywhere near as good as if someone else did it. And a lot of my clients really value that. They really value the fact that I can step up and be like, hey, listen, this isn't my forte. Not that I can't do it, but I'm more concerned about you being happy with it in the long run. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's, that's definitely one thing I communicate to, to clients. Like, I can, I can tattoo traditional, but I can't tattoo traditional. Like, I can't draw it out of, like, if, if you give me a reference and, like, this, that, and other thing, yeah, of course I can tattoo it, but, like, I can't draw it. So it's not going to have that same uh, traditional feeling, that same oomph that, you right. know, like, solid tradition, traditional artists can do. Um, yeah. and always communicating, like, you know, it's where it's like, oh, hey, I really don't do the style very often at all. Like, I can tattoo it if I ever, you know, reference this and the other thing, but like, I can't draw it off the top of my head. So, if you go to like this dude or this person or this lady, like whoever, um, you're going to get a lot better, you know, product out of it. And, so, and like, even sometimes, like at that, like the client will still be like, well, you know, I really, I still want to go with you and this that, and everything. You're like, okay, that's that's fine. You know, that, yeah, that's that, and do. that's if that's your choice and that's your decision, that's cool. And I'll do the best job I can possibly do with it. But sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, you know what? If you really want the best tattoo possible, cool. But you've made your decision. That's mm -hmm. fine. I'm going to put every effort I can into it. And I will do everything I can for you to make sure that this looks amazing. If that's your decision, that's your decision. I'm not going to try to change your mind on it. But yeah. you know, if you wanted a better tattoo you can go to this person for this specific thing mm -hmm. you know yeah and like yeah of course you're, you're still going to try your best if they decide and choose to go with you and it's even fine if they decide not to it's like it's what's going to benefit the client in the long run you know like oh yeah i can i can do it but da, 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 da. and then you tattoo it and you know it's not as good as it could have been like i don't want i don't want to deal with that <laughs> like, right having that on it like the way on my head at the end of the day yeah like no i'm good you know i'll pass on that yeah i mean there is something to be said for getting outside of your comfort zone every now and then and pushing yourself to do better um and that is something that you know i do try to do every now and then uh but i'll do it in a different way right so like um, instead of like diving right into a portrait, maybe I'll go through and I'll use some of the same practices and techniques. And I'll look at something like an American flag in the same way as I would look at a portrait. Right. And I'll do that American flag to my absolute best ability to render it as completely realistic as humanly possible. Um, to the point that, okay, cool. It's going to look amazing. I know I'm going to do a good job at this. It's not necessarily a face, but you know what? I'm taking steps in the right direction to get outside of my comfort zone, mm -hmm. you know? So there is something to be said for that, but there's a smart and wise way to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, if it's like a, like a little traditional row, something like simple or like something like that, that you know is like a great uh, starting point. 
like definitely do that but like i'm not gonna not too traditional and then just jump into doing like an entire traditional back piece type of thing like that or like doing like an entire like biomech back or an entire biomech sleeve it's like i uh, don't do that stuff like it's, it's little things and you have a little bit of well, safety net, I guess, to a certain extent. Like, yeah, definitely try that out. Push yourself out of the comfort zone, but like, don't do not bite off more than you can chew. Right, right. Absolutely, could not agree with that more. Because it's just, yeah, I've, I've I've done that one too many times, and it's just, it's it's yeah, it's just like I understand like stepping outside your comfort zone, but like, it's it's almost not worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, or if you want to step outside your comfort zone, do what I'm doing. Sit down, paint something, Mm -hmm. paint it in a style, paint it in a way or using a medium that you are not comfortable with. I am not very confident and I'm not very comfortable with oils. So I've been trying to do more of that this year um, just to try to focus on that and get outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. You sit me down with liquid acrylics or like markers or anything like that. I'll crush whatever you put in front of me, you know, because that's something that I'm so used to working in that, you know, for me, it's not even a question of, can I do it? It's I can do it. When is it due by, you know, tell me when, tell me how you want me to do this or is there anything specific? If not, that's fine. Let me do my thing and you'll be happy with it. You know, because I know those mediums like the back of my hand. You know, I've worked with graphic markers. I've worked with uh, liquid acrylics and watercolors for a long, long time. So for me to sit down and belt out, you know, a painting with those, awesome. I can do that and I can have something to you in like a week, you know, but for me to sit down and be like, oh, I want an oil painting. It's like, shit. All right. Uh, Let me let me try some things first. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I've done, I've done some smaller oil paintings that have turned out pretty nice. Um, I've got a few that I'm actually waiting to put the final uh, varnish on, just waiting for those to completely dry first. But, um, you know, I've, I've done some smaller stuff, some little six by 12 paintings that have turned out pretty nice. Um, now I'm starting to get into some bigger stuff. And I'm starting to realize how much time I put into them. And that kind of makes me sad sometimes. Um, Because like, if this was, if this painting that I'm working on now was done in liquid acrylics or ink, it would have been done months ago. Yeah. Like literally months ago. But because I'm really trying to push myself this year, I'm really trying to get outside of my comfort zone a little bit more. It's like, I don't know. It, it's, it's pushing me to become a better person and a better artist. But at the same time, it's really frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's part of growth, right? Growth is mm-hmm. not comfortable. Growth oh, no. is not easy and it's mm-hmm. not fun. Mm-hmm. And it is painful. But what you get out of growth is absolutely incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. 100%. And like another thing that you brought up, like uh, maybe like you have like for trying out these different styles and stuff like that and trying out these different techniques, like you have so much 
more of an appreciation for how people take these mediums or these certain genres and styles and how far they push them, you know, because like this, this stuff ain't easy. And it's, it's so cool and to see where this stuff can go. And it's, it's a huge motivator. Um, oh, absolutely. And just, yeah, like to, to see what, what people can do with oils or what people can do with watercolors and like different mediums. Like there's this person that was doing like wood burning with like a blowtorch and his portraits were coming out like spotless. It was just, yeah, like different mediums. It's just, yeah, there's just so much appreciation for all of that. Yeah, and especially when you dive into a new medium, it can oh. be really intimidating. Oh, 100%. hundred percent. I mean, even, even switching over to like digital, right. There's digital artists out there that I don't know how they learned what they learned, but they're absolutely unreal, you know, and they're professional digital artists. That's all that they do more power to them, but it's like, it's, it's intimidating, right? Uh Because we'll sit down with procreate and we can come up with some cool stuff. But these guys are completely changing the game. Yo, Jason. Yo. Check out, uh, see if you can pull up Dave Seidman. He's a buddy of mine. He's a local Philly guy. He crushes the uh, digital art stuff. And I've actually used some of his stuff as inspiration, like composition on uh, tattoos. It's, it's unbelievable. The stuff is crazy. Um, Dave S-I-D-M-A-N. And then also a side note, uh, a medium that I recently discovered over the last year is uh, portraits that are done in cracked glass. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Crazy. All right, I'm going back. Right. I'm trying to find Dave Sideman. Sideman Art. Try that. Sideman Art. Uh, on Instagram. Got it. <laughs> And let's take a look at this. Whoa. Yeah. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that. How cool is that? That's, look at that. That's not fair. That's what that is. Actually, I think I've got a couple of Dave Seidman's prints hanging up. Yeah, I do. Uh, The studio I work at actually has a few prints from this artist. I just didn't know that they were local. Um, We actually have a couple. They did one. uh, So this is a print that they were selling based off of the movie Seven as the inspiration. And I mean, you can see all the air fresheners that the guy has in, hanging up in his apartment. Here's all the, uh, the major characters. How fun, dude. Yeah, but look, look at the value and the texture that gets created. Yeah. Like that's it's, just that's ridiculous yeah it's really like focus like the hard edge to soft edge like there's so much like soft edge everywhere but then like he makes sure that like 
I don't know, like the equivalent of like hard edges and all the texture and everything like that. It's that's crazy. Totally not fair. Colors. Yeah, these are actually some of the prints that I stare at regularly. Yeah. Like, how did they do that? Right. You know, um, we have this one hanging up in the studio. Uh, we've got a few others. Um, he did some based off of the show True Detective. Don't know if you guys are familiar with that show or not. It's on HBO. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very slow build, but it's very, very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, fantastic. Look, let's take a look at this. Once again, you get a lot of those very painterly kind of brush strokes in there. Yeah. A lot of it's very tightly rendered. And then you have that contrasting a lot of areas that are very loosely rendered. Very well done. That's awesome. I love the way that they incorporate the drapery right into the skull. Uh -huh. Everything kind of melds together. But then they have these very, very sharp edges on a lot of this scroll work, a lot of the acanthus leaf scroll work. Uh -huh. Very nice. Really good pause on negative relationships. Oh, absolutely. Priority and reserve, all the good stuff. Yeah, you know, all the, uh, all the artistic stuff, the artsy fartsy stuff. Yeah. Thanks for the referral, Seth. That, that's, that's, yeah, heck yeah. Actually, um, I grew up with the kid, so maybe I can, um, I can try and get him on for like a podcast on, on the live show. Dude, that would be sick. Dude, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's, I'll hit let's make week. that He's happen, super, man. Yeah, man. We've known each other a super long time. Like yeah, we were kids. He used to do a comic book art, and that's how he got into the digital stuff. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've actually met quite a few different tattoo artists um, and illustrators that have all started out doing comic book art. Um, and anyone that can do comic book art, in my opinion, is like, a legend because that's the, you need to know all of your principles of art in order to pull that off correctly. Um, everything from proportion, lighting, perspective, uh, foreshortening, you need to know contrast and texture, you need to know color theory. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff that's involved in that. So, anyone that can do that kind of stuff, more power to you. Um, and I really, really admire that kind of stuff. But yeah, love to get him on um, and do an episode with him and just talk about digital art, um, digital tools, things of that nature. Uh, absolutely incredible work. God damn. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so, that would be so fun to talk to him. Yeah. And just find out like, you know, what is, what is it that you focus on? You know, that's something that I try to ask everyone that I interview uh -huh. is if you could pick out one thing, one aspect or one 
element of art that you really try to focus on the most, what would you say it is, right? Because everyone's got something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Some people may focus on color. Some people may focus on uh, texture. Some may focus on contrast. You know, some may focus on the use of line, which is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Some artists use a lot of line. Some artists do not use a lot of line. Um, You know, everyone's a little bit different as far as that's concerned. So, you know, what are some of these things that, you know, different artists tend to focus on more so than other things? Not saying they don't obviously focus on a lot um, and that there's not a lot that, that it's not that they don't try to incorporate all of the aspects and elements of art, but through the years, you start to pick up on the fact that like, uh, you know, certain people focus on using certain elements more than other elements. Some people are focused on uh, negative space and the use of negative space more than other artists. Um, some people are focused more on getting that real kind of painterly kind of brush stroke in there, you know, over other artists that might be like, yeah, I try to keep, you know, everything tightly rendered that I want people to look at. But anything I don't want them to look at, I just kind of like half-ass it. You know, some people are actually in there and they're perfecting, you know, individual brush strokes. Like, you know, having an artist stand back and be like, you've seen the over, uh, over-dramatized art kind of skits where someone will step back with like a really long brush and do a couple of little like paint daubs, right? And like they're they're just reaching out and they're like touching the canvas and they're like now it's done right mm-hmm. but that person may have spent years trying to focus and perfect the ability to go through and just get those perfect brush strokes um you know maybe it's the right amount of paint on the right type of brush with the right angle and the right amount of pressure um, look at, there's a Japanese artist out there that does one stroke dragon paintings. Mm, that's so cool. And it's, uh, it blows my mind every time I see that person work. Um, in fact, yeah, we've got a, just a few minutes. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Um, uh, one stroke dragon, maybe. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to share this real quick. Uh, share screen. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name here. Um, I'm, I don't want to butcher it. Uh, but the one stroke dragons. These are all done in one pass with one stroke. Don't know if they have any videos up or not. Yeah, here we go. You know, taking years to perfect the muscle control Mm -hmm. that doing something like this takes. You know, no no necessarily they're not necessarily focused on like color scheme or line or 
composition or perspective or anything like that. You know, every artist has something a little bit different that they try to focus on. Um, this artist obviously focuses more on brush strokes and creating the right space, spacing, the right hand pressure, the right texture, um, you know, getting the body to flow in just the right way to create the look that they're actually trying to achieve, you know, and it's fascinating. Yeah, because like worrying about like making sure you have enough paint on there to, to for the entire brush stroke and making sure that like where you're putting the ink, like the, the paint and everything's in the correct spot to, to get like those effects. Like, holy cow. Yeah. So it, it's always something that I'm always curious about. I know I have certain things that I try to focus more on than other things. So it's always something that I'm, I'm fascinated by whenever I talk to other artists. Um, you know, whether it be a digital artist or a painter or a tattoo artist or an illustrator or a graffiti artist, you know, there's always something more that you can pick up, always something more you can learn. And there's always something more that you can use to grow as an artist yourself. So I always try to push people, um, you know, to get out there and to see things and understand different things because it's only going to help you in the end. 100%. You know, and that's like, what was it saying? Like the jack of all trades is better. Than, I can't remember, but whatever. Like it's like being the jack of all trades and being able to do a lot is 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 can be good and that's kind of how i was taught whatever comes in the door you have to but like on the flip side of that to be able to specialize on one thing and to focus on one thing and to be able to learn a bunch of things about one specific topic you know gosh well, there's there's so much information there so th that's something that i've actually talked with a number of different artists about over the years um and i've gotten a lot of very different perspectives and a lot of very different reviews and a lot of very different reasonings behind that, right? Um, and it's something that I started to pick up on and really think about a few years back is when we're all first starting, a lot of people have it drilled into their heads that you're right. You do whatever walks through the door to your, to the best of your ability, you know, as long as it's something that you know, obviously within reason or within comfort mm -hmm. level, you know, if it's something that you might even mildly be comfortable with, you do it, right? Um, because otherwise the studio's losing money, you're not getting enough practice. And I think part of the reason why when we first start out in tattooing, we get pushed into that kind of a lifestyle and we get pushed in that kind of a direction coming from someone that, and I want, I want this to be well-known, I have never had an apprentice. Um, I have never taught anyone how to tattoo. I've never taught anyone art. Um, but it is something where I can understand the concept where when you have someone that's just learning how to tattoo, they're just getting up on their feet. It's not necessarily about 
helping them to find a focus in one area. It's about them trying to master technique and it's about them trying to gain technical ability. And the more experience they have just tattooing in general, the better of an, the better of a tattoo applicator Mm -hmm. they will be. And then that way it can translate into years down the line. Okay. You've done, you know, X number of tattoos. You've mastered techniques. You know how to apply color. You know how to do straight, solid, clean lines in any different thickness. You've learned how to go through and do delicate gray shading or lettering or whatever, you know, a client may want. And you've mastered the technique involved in that style, right? Mm -hmm. Now that you understand the technique and now that you understand the mechanics behind it, now you can start to branch off and now you can start to really become more selective. But it's not until we have that kind of experience and that kind of technical uh, expertise that we can turn around and say, okay, this is all I want to do, right? Like, say you have a love for super soft, delicate black and gray work. Awesome. But if you can't go through and you don't know how to apply pigment to the skin in a certain way to achieve that kind of an effect, you're never, ever going to be able to achieve the look that you want to achieve. Yeah. Right. So a lot of it comes down to just technical experience, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, uh, if I am wrong, by all means, someone that knows more than me, please educate me. Tell me why. Uh, But this is like the only real explanation I've ever gotten from anyone I've ever talked to about this. That explanation is just they want people to go through and build technical ability before they go through and start being more selective. Right. Yeah. It makes to sense. ensure that they can, they, that to basically to ensure that they're not going to go out and completely fuck up everyone's skin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. a legitimate concern. You know, I, I, so- I feel like it holds a lot of weight to the situation well you know it's i never it it was never explained to me that way and it was something that i never was ever taught and it was most people that i talk to when they're like oh yeah no you do every tattoo that comes through the door and it's like okay but why yeah give me give me a reason why because well the studio needs to stay open it's like yeah but if you're already working at a successful studio that's making plenty of money where hypothetically speaking, say the owner likes to go out and buy a new car every two years and they just have a collection of cars or they buy really, really expensive cars um, that, you know, cost them an absolute fortune to put gas in. You know, say there's plenty of money going around the studio and everyone's staying busy and everyone's happy and all that stuff. Why, why does every artist have to do every tattoo that comes through the door, you know, just Mm -hmm. to feed one person's pocket. You know, if they're already established artists, that should give them the option to go through and say, you know what, this one isn't for me, 
let me refer you over to this person, you know? Yeah. Right. But if it's an artist just starting out, yeah, go be at a walk-in studio, do everything that comes through the door because you need that experience with applying tattoos before you can turn around and say, I only do traditional. I only do Japanese work. I only do illustrative work. I only do portraits or fine line black and gray. You know, if that's what you want to do, fine. But until you know and can understand and master the technique in applying tattoos in that way, then you're never going to succeed. Granted, like I said, my two cents. No, no, it totally makes sense. Because like once you understand the technical application of the tattoo, how to do the solid line work, how to build stuff up, the smooth shading, color pack, color blends, all of it, you know? At that point, you already know the application. So what's going to help add fuel to the fire is doing stuff that that inspires you, stuff that you want to draw, stuff that you want to tattoo, you know? Because, like, one thing that helps prevent me from, like, experiencing, like, complete and total burnout is being able to draw for myself, um, drawing things that I want to draw. So, like to combine those things, like, why the hell not, you know? Absolutely. You know, but that's all, you've also reached a level where you're successful at applying a tattoo and not carving someone up Mm -hmm. and not going through and scarring them up. And you know how to do it so that everything heals right, you know, and you kind of have a better sense in the technical ability field. And that's what I think a lot of younger tattooers need to grasp, right? There are a lot of younger tattooers out there. And by younger, I'm not saying physical age, but I'm saying experience-wise, right? Yeah. That only want to do certain things. Cool. That's great. Congratulations. You know, I've got, you know, over 10 years into this and I'm still learning new techniques. And you know what? There are certain things that I only want to do, but until I can understand and master those techniques, I'm going to do fine line black and gray work. I'm going to do Japanese work. I'm going to do illustrative work and I'm going to build my portfolio and I'm going to come up with these designs that I want to do and try to sell those, obviously. But you know what? I'm still going to do most of the tattoos that walk through the door because Mm -hmm. I still need to work on technique. You know, I still need to work on achieving super saturated color blends or getting those those airbrush smooth black and gray gradients. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things I know I still need to focus on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to do whatever I can as long as I'm comfortable with it whenever it comes through the door. I'll do lettering. No problem. I'll do tiny little walk in tattoos. Not a problem. You want a heart behind your ear? cool, sit down. I'll knock it out in three minutes or less. Um, You know, I'll do whatever comes through just to get the experience in, just to perfect my technique. And that's the way that I try to look at everything. You know, some people hate doing Celtic knot work. I love it. I absolutely adore it because to me, it's just line work practice. Yeah. Yeah, just like focusing on like technical application of it, it kind of, for, for me at least, it took away 
uh, worrying about like, oh gosh, it's this, or oh gosh, it's that, because every single tattoo is just like making sure the line works solid, making sure that all the, every color is packed in well, and all my blacks are solid, or my, my smooth, you know, my gradients are smooth, just like on the technical application of it all, kind of took away the worry of what it, like what style or the set and everything else was. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It helps alleviate some of that anxiety and helps alleviate some of that, um, like dread for when you go in. Yeah. And yeah, you may not want to draw it, but you know what? That's okay. You know, push through yeah. the drawing aspect behind it. And mm-hmm. then, you know what? Draw something that you want to draw after the fact. Oh, yeah. 100%. You got to draw for yourself. You got to. Yeah. Absolutely. To. You know, that's. Yeah. Anytime I can, I'm sitting down and I'm belting out a new like little one shot design. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a few larger projects already sketched out that I really want to do. But, you know, a lot of times if I'm traveling to a show or whatnot, I want to have a large portfolio of one shot, small little one shot designs. Well, small by relative standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my small designs tend to be like six to eight inches you know, tall by like five to seven inches wide. Uh, That to me is like a small tattoo. Um, But that's also because I try to cram a ton of detail into it. So, Uh, but I'm not saying everyone's got to do that, but that's stuff that I draw for myself because whenever I go to a show, I'm trying to promote myself. That's, that's my time to promote me. And that's my time to take a break from doing everything that walks through the door, you know, that's kind of the way that I see it. Um, You know, that's kind of the reason why I like traveling and doing shows is Mm -hmm. because I like to do more promotion of the work that I want to do. And in the area that I work in, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that come in that are like, Oh man, I just saw this new tattoo on Pinterest and I really want to get it done. And it's like, all right, sit down. Let me put my own twist to it, but like, mm-hmm. we'll do it. Yeah. So, Jason. Yes, sir. So, sorry to interrupt. Um, you do you find that like doing conventions and doing shows, those are good opportunities to do something different to what you might do in like your hometown with your you know, like your local clients and. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I try, whenever I work at a show, I try to do nothing but color work because the area that I live in is for some weird and odd reason, obsessed with black and gray tattoos. So that ends up being the majority of the tattoos that I do every now and then I'll get someone that comes in that wants something super colorful and fun. And I'm all about it all the time. I'm like, yes, that, yeah, more color, please. Um, But because of the popularity of black and gray tattoos in the area that I live and work in, I find that if I go to a show and I go to a convention, I'm not really bringing any black and gray designs with me. Maybe I'll have one or two um, just as like examples, but for the majority of it, it's all fully colored and fully rendered. Um, because that's what I really am trying to focus more on. And the only way that I can really focus more on doing that is by traveling and getting outside of the area that I live and work in. 
to really try to push the envelope of the stuff that I really want to do. You know, it exposes you to new people in new places that, you know, maybe they'll see something that you have drawn up that no one in the area can draw, you know? So it gives you that opportunity to capitalize. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and also it means that as far as like clients go, I guess, you're like a blank canvas, you know, like say for instance, in, in the, where I live, I might be uh, known for doing one particular thing. And so I'll do that. Um, but then if you go to a show and a convention, you know, no one knows that. And so whatever you've got in front of your, like you say, your little uh, six to eight inch uh, flash designs, then that's what you're known for. Yeah. Because right. that, that's what people see. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because when you travel to a show, no one knows who you are. No. They don't know what you do. They don't know what you're known for. You know, unless mm -hmm. you you really have that kind of a global presence. Right, and, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. But like, if you're Bill Canales and you do Japanese style dragons, like, yeah, I'm sorry. But you're already pretty well known around the globe for that. That's mm -hmm. probably what you're going to end up doing. Um, if you're Nico Hurtado, highly doubt anyone at a show is going to come to you and want to get something Biomac or, um, you know, like a, a Neo Trad flower or something. You know, people are going to come to you for what you are known for globally. But if you don't have that kind of a global presence, expand. Do mm -hmm. stuff that you don't normally do. That is your opportunity to show off what you really want to do and what you really know that you can do and absolutely crush. So does that mean, that, so when, because it sounds like almost like two different people there, like two different personalities. Does, does the, do you get opportunity then to sort of bring those color things into the black and gray world? Or is it just something that exists when you're on the road? So for me personally, yeah. it's I've got all of the flash designs that I usually bring with me to conventions. I have mm. them all hanging up at the studio. Right. I've got like a little up for grabs board. You know, it's a little cork board with all of these different color designs pinned up on it. And, um, you know, they're always up for people to look at and see. So right. I, I try to sell those at home too, but, you know, unfortunately people come in and they might see something and they might love it. And they might be like, Oh, that's absolutely awesome. I really love that. But can we do it in black and gray? And it's like, no, I'm sorry. That's a color design. We're doing that in color. If you want it, I'll do it. If not, I'll draw you something cool in black and gray, but like those are color designs for a reason. Um, yeah. So I try, I, I try to sell those every place I go, but once again, if you're on the road and no one really knows you and they don't know what you're known for, they don't know who you are or anything like that, capitalize mm. on it. You know, do that. Bring only the stuff that you really want to do. Mm. You know, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. my thing. Like everyone at home knows that I have color designs, that I want to do more color. Maybe they, uh, maybe they bite. Maybe they don't, but at least I have it up and I'm trying to push it every chance I get. Yeah, yeah.
yeah no i totally get that um it's something i'm sort of trying to do myself and uh i've got my um i've got my first sort of convention coming up in well not for in 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 the summer and so uh yeah i'm i'm taking on board what you're saying and i have sort of thought oh well actually maybe you know this i can't get these design i'm trying very hard to promote these designs in my hometown but maybe you know traveling abroad uh, not abroad but traveling elsewhere might be um uh, more beneficial so thank you very much for that that's um, yeah. giving me a lot of confidence absolutely man i mean like i said i don't i get a lot of people that come in that want fine line black and gray work they want you know uh you know some illustrative work but mostly it's black and gray stuff and a lot of it's more like realism or fine line work. And it's not really, it's something that I can do and that I will do, mm. but it's not necessarily something that I try to, you know, advertise that I do. Yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. I don't, I, I won't post a whole lot of that stuff up on Instagram or TikTok or any social media. I mm. won't do, I will occasionally throw something up but typically speaking, I'm only really trying to post a lot of the color work that I do because that's the type of clientele I'm trying to attract. Got you. Yeah, yeah. So it sometimes you need to step outside of your area to, you know, get some of those new clients that say, oh, I don't know this person. They want to do color work. I really like color work. Let me go through and I'll get something done by them here. Uh, next thing you know, maybe they're willing to travel to come out to get some more color work done. Maybe they're, maybe it's someone that really likes Japanese style stuff. And, you know, you've got a whole bunch of Japanese style stuff with you. They love it. And now they're willing to travel to come and see you to get that done. And yeah, take yeah. Photos of all of it. And next thing you know, more people are coming to you for that Japanese style stuff that you've done. You know, that it, it builds off of itself. Mm. Uh, quite regularly too. So the more you advertise the stuff that you want to do, the more likely you are that that stuff's going to come in because if you don't advertise it, no one's going to know that you want to do it. No, no. And so do you have, have you had like people that you've uh, uh, tattooed at conventions doing your color work sort of come and visit you in Philly? Yeah. Every now and then someone will make a trip out. They'll drive, you know, four or five hours. Um, some people drive longer than that. You know, I've got one client that actually flew out from Arizona to get tattooed by me. Not this past December, but the December before it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they saw the work that I had posted online and they absolutely fell in love with it. And, um, you know, made the trip out just to get tattooed. You know, and it's that was it was such an honor to be able to work on them um, yeah, yeah. to know that I've got that kind of, uh, you know, reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some people some people are willing to do that. Some people aren't. Some people are like, well, if they ever come through, you know, this area and work at a show in this area, I'll get a piece done by them. But like, don't maybe they don't necessarily have the means to travel like that. Maybe they yeah. want to, but you know, maybe financially it's just not in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but if you go through that area, 
next thing you know, you've got a whole bunch of people lined up in that area that want the kind of work that you're trying to do more of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you find an area that you weren't expecting. Like I remember being at the uh, the Puerto Rico convention. First year I ever worked at it, I had the uh, pleasure of working with a friend of mine, Devin Cooley, who does very, very bold neo-trad stuff. Very bold. Super clean, super solid, super saturated colors, um, super bold stuff. And, uh, you know, he was kind of struggling where he was because he used to he used to work out of Massachusetts, uh, which is in the far northeast of the U.S. And um, he took that trip down to Puerto Rico and he's like, everyone down here, everyone down there loved his stuff. Everyone, mm-hmm. everything that he drew. I think he I think there was maybe one period of time at the start of Friday where he wasn't super busy and he was pretty much booked the entire time after that. Okay. And he's like, you know what? This is, this is phenomenal. This is all the stuff I want to do. And I would have never known that if I had never gotten out of my area. Yeah. Yeah. Your comfort zone sucks. They say it does. And especially when you start to get pigeonholed, in Mm. the area that you normally work at for one thing, but it's not necessarily what you want to do. It really, really can suck. Yeah. So that's why I always try to encourage people to travel, you know, get out there, work, work at different shows, work internationally, work, you know, all over the country that you're in, go to different Mm. places, advertise the stuff that you want to do. And I think you would be surprised at how receptive some people are to that. Next thing you know, you grow a bigger international following. Now you've got people flying out from the U.S. to get tattooed by you. Now you've got people flying halfway across the globe to get something done by you because they saw your work at a show, you know, in another country. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's fantastic just to see what people are willing to do for the work that they want to get done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's yeah. my experiences with it, at least. Cheers, Jason. Much appreciated. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. You know, I, I've met quite a few artists. Um, actually, the one artist that we kept bringing up earlier today, my buddy Fibs. You know, Fibs was working in Puerto Rico. He used to own a studio down there. Um, And everyone kept coming to him for a lot of black and gray work. A lot of fine line, like, you know, not necessarily realism, like exaggerated realism kind of stuff. But it was still like borderline realism. He Mm -hmm. knew that he needed to get out there and see more of the world and really grow his own personal brand, his own personal style. And he did. And he spent a lot of time traveling Europe. I think the better part of like two years, just hopscotching across Europe, working at shows, you know, he'd go and do a guest spot in Barcelona and then do a convention there. And then he'd hop over to Italy, work over there. And then he'd hop over to Germany, work a show there. And then he'd hop over to like Moscow. Um, You know, he's literally been all over Europe, but he would go to Europe and then come home for a few months and then go to Europe and then come home for a few months. But the whole time he was really pushing the style of tattoos he really wanted to do. 
And, and is that, that's what he's doing now, is it? And that's all he does now is the type of work that he really wants to do. Yeah, his work is crazy distinctive, isn't it? I mean, you absolutely. Sort of, you, you know, know it when you see it. And that's one of the reasons why I admire him so much. He put in the time and effort to really be able to do all of the stuff he wants to do. Mm. It required a lot of sacrifice on his part. He gave up owning a studio in his hometown where he knew everyone and he was making a killing. And he gave that up to pursue the artwork that he wanted to do more. You know, it's not easy for everyone to be able to do that. For some people, it's not financially feasible to do that. You know, he made the sacrifices he had to make in order to achieve that, though. And it's paying dividends now. He just opened up his own private studio. You know, out in San Diego. San Diego, yeah. Because he used to be at Guru, didn't he? Correct. He used to be down at Guru working with Aaron Delavandova and a whole bunch of other really incredible artists. Mm. I I don't think I've actually seen one artist that's gone through Guru that isn't just absolutely crushing every tattoo that they do now, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, that shop is so good. Yeah. Well, and they've got like 12 artists that work there. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's a huge studio. But, you know, it's that's part of the reason why I travel so much, part of the reason why I try to get myself out there. I'm actually taking a hiatus this year from traveling quite as much, um, take a few steps back, focus on a few other things, save a little bit of money. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm not working any shows this year, but I'm definitely cutting back from previous years. Uh, but that's also to kind of sit back and reevaluate a couple of things with my own artwork and work on a few things that I know I need to work on. So you have to do that every now and then just to push yourself to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I'm taking this year to do is just sit back you know, focus on what I need to work on, focus on other aspects of my life, um, you know, and then I'll, next year, I'll probably hit the trail again for a few other shows, add a couple of new ones, maybe get rid of a couple of ones I've worked before, um, you know, but I'm still, I, I don't think there's a point in time where I ever won't work shows, just because for me, that's, how I'm out there. That's how I'm growing my own brand. It's how I'm able to do the stuff that I want to. Mm-hmm. So how many would you do? How many have you done in like, what's a reasonable amount do you think uh, for yourself to sort of do in one year? How many shows? Uh, I think the most shows I ever worked in one year that sounds like a lot already <laughs> I, I think i did six one year that's quite a lot um, man. i think i've done a one or two others as well but i try to switch it up every few years and do a couple of different shows you know uh-huh. maybe maybe a show i didn't do so well at 
Um, I'll nix that one the following year and I'll pick up a different one. Um, some shows that I've worked at are phenomenal and I love them. Um, sometimes they just don't fit into like a new schedule though. Like I love working the Baltimore show. I just haven't been able to get that into my calendar for the past few years. Um, I love working at the Dublin, Ireland show, but there were a couple of issues with that one. The last time I went there, uh, not issues with the convention organizers or anything like that, but more or less with taxes. Um, so I'm kind of being a bit more selective about European shows, but yeah, yeah. that's just because I, I'm not trying to pay a whole lot of money in taxes. And uh, the, when I went to work at the Dublin show, uh, not only did I not do so well at that show, but um, I was hunted down by the Department of Taxation um, and they were trying to tell me that I owed them like 500 euros or 500 pounds in taxes. Um, and well, it's like, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even make, the thing is I would have, you know, declared my taxes and all that stuff. I had no idea when any of that stuff was due. So mm -hmm. like I didn't mm -hmm. get stuff in online and next thing I know I'm receiving a letter in the mail and I ended up getting on the phone with them and being like, yo, I took a total loss on this. I probably mm -hmm. will not be back for some time if I ever come back. Um, and so they retroactively removed me. I don't owe them any money or anything, which is nice. Um, and they were very understanding about everything, which was once again, very, very nice. Really appreciated mm -hmm. their leniency on that. Um, but I would love to work more European shows. Uh, you know, now that I'm a little bit further in my career, because this was a few years back that I went and worked at Dublin. And um, I'd love to go back now that I'm a little bit more, a uh, little bit more stable in my career. And I've got a little bit of a better understanding about certain things and marketing and really trying to push what I'm doing at a show on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just certain things you pick up on that I wasn't aware of the first time I worked at a European show. So, you know, but it was a very humbling experience and it was a great experience. You know, they, the Dublin show that I worked at just wasn't, it almost seemed like people that were there were looking for like very specific styles, like fine line black and gray work. They were looking for a lot of uh, hand poke geometric stuff. Uh, some lettering stuff, but a lot of it was just fine line black and gray. Mm -hmm. And I had all of this like neo trad bold art that was like Japanese inspired stuff. I think I brought like a hundred and some odd designs, 120 designs with me. Okay, okay. I think I did three tattoos all weekend. Oh no. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was, it was a rough show for the amount of money that I put out for it. This was also a few years back before I adopted the policy of if I can't completely write it off, I'm not going to work at the show. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the attitude you have to have with it. Don't get me wrong. I made some great connections. I made some amazing friends that I still keep in touch with to this day. Uh, mm -hmm. People that I know that flew out there from Malaysia that I'm still in touch with. 
that do killer work and they're absolutely crushing everything. Um, you know, and I became friends with them from the Dublin show. You know, wow. it, was, it was a great experience and a great time. Um, you know, it's just, it, it was just bad timing on my part being an artist and bad part on, or a bad experience on my time financially because I wasn't really prepared for that kind of a loss. Uh, I think if I went back and worked at that show again, I would definitely have a better understanding and a better, I would definitely prepare for it in a bit of a different and better way. Right. Um, you know, so that I know it wouldn't be quite as, how can I say this, quite as rough of a time when I got back, you yeah, know, yeah. if I didn't do so well, so. But who knows, maybe I'll make it out to that one again in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not opposed to it. It's just, I would have to figure out if I'm going to get in trouble with taxes. You know, if I <laughs> yeah. come back out. I'm not trying to have either. them like arrest me at the border, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, you still owe us 500 pounds. It's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. But that was all cleared up. Mm -hmm. Cool. But we are about at that time, everyone. Uh, let's go through and start to do some sign-offs. Um, let me just rinse this brush. Cool. Um, and let's start off with uh, Kyle. I'm going to go through and I'll spotlight you. Okay. Um, and let's have you go through and do a quick sign off. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Uh, my name is Kyle Olson. Um, I tattoo out of Tucson, Arizona at a shop called Trinity Art Collected. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, um, more than welcome to do so uh, through Instagram at Olson underscore tattoos, uh, O-L-S-O-N. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's always a good time. Um, and next, let's go to Seth. Um, I'll have you do a sign off if you have a chance. So, oh, look at that, Seth. That's coming out gorgeous. Oh, thanks, man. Um, my name is Seth Mushrush. You can follow me on Instagram just at Seth Mushrush, or I have a website. Um, SethMushrushArt.com. I work at Baker Street Tattoo and Media, which is right outside of Philadelphia, and also work at the Concord Tattoo Gallery in Massachusetts, in Concord, Massachusetts. So you can find me at either spot, um, and uh, I always appreciate being on. Thanks for having me, Jason. Anytime. Thank you so much for joining us today. Right on, man. Let's take a look at that, man. That looks gorgeous. Well, oh, thank you. I'm getting into the white highlights now. So. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'll post this up uh, later on tonight on Instagram. Awesome. Sounds great, cool. man. Have a good night, guys. Take care. Yeah. And Patrick, let's go um, through. Uh, my name's Patrick uh, Boothman. Uh, I'm my Instagram uh, profile name is Patrick Boothman. Uh, I'm a tattoo artist of uh, five years, and I work at Sursum Tattoo in Narbeth, West Wales. Yeah, there we go. Thank awesome. you very much, Jason. Uh, much appreciated. And I'm sure I'll uh, be online with you again in the near future. 
Excellent. Thank you very much for jumping in today. Always love no, it when you jump on. Cheers, dude. Cheers. And I'll spotlight myself. So thanks everyone for jumping in today. Uh, if you like today's episode, go through and make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, this way you can stay up to date for all of the shows coming up. Um, if you like the show, leave a comment too. Who knows? Let us know what you want to see on the next episode. We're always willing to go through and uh, talk about different things that you want us to discuss. So until next time, keep those hands moving. Keep those brushes moving or tattoo machines or whatever you got in your hands. Um, keep creating. And hopefully we'll see you again next Sunday at 1 p.m. for episode 102. Thanks a lot, everyone.